Hey friends, what's cooking? <laughs> I guess that's appropriate for Misach de Beya. What's cooking? Right? Uh, it's taco good for today. You know, today we're going to learn Ein Bein Yom Tiv the Shabbos of Ochel Nefesh Bilvad. So I guess that, that, that is an appropriate way to um, say hi to all my friends here over here at Babylon Talmud. So friends, what's cooking? Uh, well, today we're going to uh, discuss like, uh, like, well, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll spill the beans. The first part of today's daf ends with teku. So a bunch of like random questions at the beginning of the daf. Uh, and then we get on to some muksa sugas, which is interesting, going to remind us, bring us back to the, wow. Friends, when you think of Mesech, oh my gosh, friends, when you think of Mesech to Shabbos, wow, I, I don't really think about it too much, but just thinking back to Mesech to Shabbos, I don't know, how does it make you feel when you think back of what was going on? Beginning of Corona, I was subletting uh, an apartment somewhere. Uh, yeah, all those quarantines. Bobo with uh, the Leshem Yeshiva. <laughs> oh my gosh, Masech to Shabbos. Wow, a lot of change since then. New friends have joined us. Others have gone. Uh, all right, let's get started. So we're going to... Oh, and then we get to a, a new Mishnah, which of course... Um, which, of course, oh, wow. Yeah, just thinking back to some good old times in Masech the Shabbos. <laughs> and, um, right, so we get to that new Mishnah, comparing Shabbos and Yom Tif, well, um, 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 com- concluding with that famous line of Ein Ben Yom Tif, the Shabbos, that the only differentiator between Yom Tif and Shabbos is in the arena of food preparation. Friends, let's jump in. Lamed Vav, Omad Aleph. Somebody pointed out yesterday that there are 30. Somebody wanted to make an argument yesterday that I was one of the 36 tzad- <laughs> Somebody wanted to make an argument yesterday that I was one of the 36 uh, tzaddikim in the world. Uh, uh, I argued back that maybe maybe the 37th. I'm not really sure uh, what the implications of being the 37th are, but uh, uh, maybe I'm the 37th. But uh, again, I'm, I'm not really sure what the implications. <laughs> I'm not really sure what the implications are. <laughs> All right. Well, tomorrow we'll learn Dav 37. So. All right. Uh, awesome, Tanan. We learned over there. So you're not allowed to clear out the uh, storage uh, area, okay? So Shmuel said, "My So what does it mean that you can't clear out the storage area? Don't entirely clear out the storage area. Let's say you end up coming to like fill in holes in the ground. That would be bone, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, interesting that like back in those times they had dirt floors. Dude, we don't have like dirt floors anywhere anymore, right? That's not like a normal thing. What was like a primitive thing? Like is it possible that their dirt floors were nice? I don't know. It's so interesting. I mean, I guess they would get holes in them. What, they didn't have tiles or something? I don't know. Kind of wonder. I mean, this was Shmuel. Right, Shmuel, was a, Shmuel was a doctor. We even talked about by Rebbe's house, how they were, you know, how they could sweep the floors. I don't know, maybe that was Xerah. What about over here? What about on, on Yom Tif? Would you be able to clear out the entire, I guess, roof? Is it possible that when it comes to Shabbos, they said we, that we're concerned about that you might come to fill in holes in the ground on Shabbos because Shabbos is very stringent. But Yom Tif, which is more lenient, so you can clear out the storage area. You can, I guess, in, in this case, just kind of clear out all the whatever fruits and stuff you got up there on the roof that you want to bring in from the rain. 
Um, you don't have to worry about clearing out, um, you know, like a uh, shuya gumis that you're gonna uh, uh, fix the floor. Or do we say, right, so, so I, I don't know what I just said, but do we say that, okay, on the one hand, do we say that, well, Shabbos is more stringent, and therefore we're concerned that you might, you know, we have to be concerned that, well, maybe uh, you might, uh, we don't want you to violate Shabbos and, um, and, and fill in the holes in the floor, which is interesting, because yesterday we used the argument of Shabbos being stringent to say that, um, that, that, well, since Shabbos is so, so stringent, you won't come to violate Shabbos. Whereas over here we're saying, well, no, maybe because of the stringency of Shabbos, that's why Dafka by Shabbos, we're concerned about Ashvuye Gumis. But when it comes to uh, Yom Tev, which is more lenient, maybe we could be more lenient. Or maybe we could say, Or could we make the opposite? opposite argument, which is, well, if over there in the context of Bittu Beis right, we said that we were cleaning out the storage area so that people could study Torah, and if we're saying over there we're concerned about Ashvu Gumis, even in a context of allowing, uh, of enabling people to study Torah, well, certainly in this case, where it's not in the context of enabling people to study Torah, certainly then uh, you should uh, not be clearing out the entire area and exposing the ground. So, okay, well, that's question number one. Hocha! So over here, in, in the context of Yom Tif, so we say that you're allowed to lower down these fruits by way of the um, skylight. Although I wonder if maybe, I wonder if maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe the previous part wasn't necessarily talking about the fruits and vegetables on the on the roof. Maybe it's talking about just clearing out a storage area on Yom Tif in general. Maybe, you know, maybe it's more lenient, maybe it's more stringent. All right. We learn over here in our Mishnah, that you're allowed to bring the fruits by way of the of the um, skylight on Yom Tiv. Now, if Nachman says, wait a second, when we say that you're allowed to put the fruits through the skylight on Yom Tiv, um, it's only that particular roof, right? So if you have, um, I don't know, let's say wheat on your roof, and um, you see it's going to rain, so you want to bring them in, so you can bring them into the skylight, but only on that roof. But you wouldn't be able to transfer the wheat from one roof to another roof. We also learned in a Even when the roofs are flush one to the other and it won't take much effort to go from one roof to the other. Uh, nonetheless, you're still not allowed to go from one roof to the next. So we're saying that on Yom Tif, you're allowed to lower these fruits uh, through the roof, but um, only the same roof. Now, what about on Shabbos? Do we say, do we say, do we say, look, that when it comes to lowering things through the roof, so that's specifically in the context of, right, so we say, uh, you can't go from one roof to the next, because um, we have to take a stance here, we have to be stringent, because since Yom Tev is more lenient, so maybe people will, will, will start treating Yom Tev more leniently, so therefore we have to say only on that roof. But on Shabbos, where we don't have to worry about, you know, it's more stringent, so people aren't going to take it lightly, so you'd be able to go from one roof to the next, which is interesting, because didn't we Davka say that you're allowed to put these things through the window on Yom Tif, but not on Shabbos? But, all right. But here we want to argue that maybe since Shabbos is more stringent, so you're not going to come to take it lightly, so maybe you can even go from, like, one roof to the next. All right. Or do we say, well, here... 
there's, uh, you know, financial loss. So therefore, you know, if in the case where there's financer, financial loss and still, you know, if there's a, a window in your roof, a skylight in your roof, you could put them through the skylight, but you can't bring them to any other roof. And here it's in a case of financial loss. We want to help you over there where there's no financial um, loss, which I, I guess is maybe like clearing out the storage area. I guess there's not necessarily financial loss. You're just trying to make room for the students. So then certainly uh, there's no financial loss. So so certainly then you will not be able to go, I guess, from one roof to the other. All right. Hachatanya. We're learning a brisa over here by Yomtif. You shouldn't lower down the um, um, uh, fruits and stuff by way of windows. Meaning if, or if on the roof, if surrounding the roof there are like walls and in the walls there are windows, you shouldn't lift up the fruits and then put them through the window and lower them down that way because it's the extra tircha of, of lifting them up. Uh, we don't want you to do that on Yom Tiff. Don't bring them down ladders. Hosom mai. What about in the context of Shabbos, you know, for, I guess, for clearing space for the students, for the yeshiva students. And do we say, look, over here on Yom Tif, we don't want you to, to lower them through the windows and things like that because, look, at the end of the day, there's no bitl beis amedrish. It's not like we're preventing anybody from studying Torah. So we say, look, don't uh, bring them through windows and stuff. Um, but over there on Shabbos, where we, we're trying to encourage to enable people to study Torah, so maybe then uh, you would be able to lower through the window and stuff like that. Uh, maybe it would be okay. Or do we say, well, over here, there's Hefzid Mama. That's why, uh, and still we say, you're not allowed to lower it through the windows. Over there, by, on Shabbos, where there's no Hefzid Mama, nobody's losing any money or anything, certainly then you will not be allowed to lower it through the window. So, uh, that's what we're trying to figure out. Oh, right. So the Gemara says, take it. The Gemara says, um, I don't know. So if anybody uh, kind of got a little bit confused by these questions, don't worry. The Gemara is also confused by them. So you're in good company. And we say that you're allowed to cover up um, fruits to protect them from like a drip. That if you have like a drip in the roof, I guess, or something like that, and you, you don't want your fruits to get all uh, ruined, so you'd be allowed to cover them up to like protect them. So now, Omer Ula. So Ula comes in with a fascinating opinion. He says you'd even be able to, um, like, cover bricks with, uh, you know, on Yom Tif. So if there's, like, a drip in the, in the ceiling or whatever, and it's getting on some bricks, and these are bricks that are basically set aside for uh, using in construction. So they're muksa, essentially. But you don't want them to get ruined, because if they get ruined, then they won't really be usable, or at least you have to dry them out. It becomes a headache. So therefore, um, says Ula, you can even um, cover up bricks, which are muksa on Yom Tif, but nonetheless, you can cover up, cover them up in order to um, prevent a loss of, uh, you know, financial loss or at least just a headache. So when it comes to the fruits, now fruits are things that are not muksa. You can use them on Yom Tif. And uh, we say you can cover those up. So what about something that's muksa, like bricks, in order to prevent them from getting ruined? So... Um, Says Ula, you can even cover bricks. Rabbi Yitzchak Amar Peris Ruuyin, whereas Rabbi Yitzchak limits it only to fruits because fruits are not muksa. Fruits are muchan. Uh, You're allowed to, you know, use and eat fruits. So therefore, you can cover them up to save them to, uh, from to spare them from the drip to save them from the drip. Um, but um, bricks, you would not be allowed to use because they're muksa. Was the Rabbi Yitzchak the time? Rabbi Yitzchak 
is uh, consistent with his reasoning. The Amr Rabbi Yitzchak, that says Rabbi Yitzchak, in Klinitol, Ela, Ludover, Nitol, B'Shabes, that you're only allowed to um, take a vessel for something that is takeable on Shabbos, meaning you'd be allowed to move whatever, you know, whatever cover you're going to use to cover up the um, fruits because you can move something in order, you know, uh, for something else, you know, so you're allowed to move the cover, you're allowed to move the fruits and give all the... But you wouldn't be allowed to move this cover for bricks because bricks are muksa. Therefore, you can't, you know, cover bricks. You wouldn't be allowed to move whatever covering agent you're going to be using to cover bricks because um, you can only move something for the purpose of something that is also movable. So I can move the cover for fruits. I can't move the cover for um, bricks. That is the opinion of Yitzchok. Tanan, we learn in a Mishnah, Chasen is Aperis Bekelim. So we learned in our mission. It says that in addition, it says that you are allowed to cover um, fruits with vessels. So perisin avir delivnelo. So this implies you can cover fruits with vessels. You can't cover bricks with vessels. Bricks that are muksa. So the Gemara wants to say no. You can even cover the bricks. The only reason why the Mishnah specifically is talking about covering fruits is, well, the first thing that the Mishnah said is that you're allowed to lower the fruits through the skylight. So therefore, when it says, you're, you know, it says you're also allowed to cover the fruits, kept it consistent, one topic, the topic of fruits. But the fact of the matter is, you would also be able to cover the bricks. Just, we didn't talk about the bricks in the first part, so we didn't mention the bricks in the second part. But one second, fact, the Gemara, but the Mishnah also said, and similarly, you can cover up, um, you know, uh, containers of wine and containers of oil. So already we're moving on to other things, and we don't mention bricks. So well, interestingly, what are we talking about when it comes to the wine and the oil? We're talking about wine and oil that is tevel. You haven't yet tied it, and therefore it's muksa. And even though it's muksa, you are still allowed to cover them. So we see that that actually includes, you know, so bricks are also muksa. You'd be allowed to cover those as well. So we want to say, you know, so therefore, meaning we want to ask a question on Ula from the fact that the Mishnah mentions covering fruits, covering wine, covering oil. All these things are things that are mutter, are, are muchan. They're movable on Shabbos. Bricks aren't movable. They don't seem to be addressed in the Mishnah. So now says, um, the, so the Gemara answers actually when we talk about wine and we talk about um, uh, oil, we're talking about tevel oil, oil that is muksa. Bricks are also muksa, just like you can cover the oil and the wine, you can also cover the bricks. And we want to say, and this actually is a, so, a sound argument. Because if you say, after all, that we're talking about uh, permitted. Uh, wine and permitted oil that is not muksa, well, a tiny leresha peris, because we already taught about fruits. We said you're allowed to cover fruits. What would be the significance of adding also oil and wine? I know I can cover fruits. It would make sense I can cover oil and wine. What's the chiddush? The chiddush is that well, the oil and wine are actually tevel, and even so, you can cover it, and then that would extend also to bricks. But then the Gemara says, actually, not necessarily. Maybe it is, after all, just talking about regular wine and regular oil. 
The Mishnah needed to teach even regular oil and regular wine. How come? Because I may have thought to say, I may have thought to say that when the Mishnah says that you're allowed to cover something, uh, to, you know, to save it from the drip on Yom Tif, something that's going to be a significant loss, right? If, if water drips on the wheat, you know, or whatever other fruits you have on your roof, it might actually ruin them. And like you're going to lose all your wheat, whereas um, the wine and the oil, assuming that they're in a sealed barrel or container of something, they can they can you know they could survive till the end of Shabbos and then until the end of Yom Tif, and then just move them afterwards, right? So you know, you know it's not really a significant loss when it comes to the wine and the oil. When it comes to the fruits, it is a significant loss. So if it only said the fruits in the Mishnah, I may have thought, okay, so you can move, the, you know, you can move that you can cover up these, um, you can cover up these fruits, you can cover up a significant loss. But uh, a minor loss, I wouldn't think that you can cover it up. So Kamash Milan, it's teaching that even um, minor losses, such as wine and oil that are in closed barrels, still you can cover those as well. But if it would be something like bricks that are muksa, we don't necessarily have a proof from our Mishnah. Tanan, we learn in our Mishnah. Nosen kli tachas adelif b'shabes. You're allowed to put a vessel under a um, drip under like a drip of water on Shabbos. So now, essentially, what are we doing? We're, we're, the, the water that's going to be dripping is going to be like muksa water. And we're still moving this um, uh, vessel for the uh, muksa water. So, Well, the, we're talking about water here that technically you could um, feed to animals or whatever. Tashma, so again, no, no, no proof for our bricks. Tashma, come in here, porcelain, machzelas, agave, levonim, levenim, b'shabbos. You're allowed to cover a, um, you're allowed to cover bricks. Uh, on Shabbos. So, no, that's pretty clear that you're allowed to cover bricks on Shabbos. So, certainly then on Yom Tif, you should be allowed to cover the bricks. So, shouldn't that be a great proof for Ula? So, the Aisim Ibn Yono, the Chazi, the Mizga, the Mizga Alayus, the Gemarians as well, we could argue that we're talking about bricks that um, are left over from construction that you could sit on them. Uh, so, therefore, they're not actually Muksa, Tashma, come in here. Porsin Machzelas Agabi Avonim Bishabbos. You're allowed to cover stones on Shabbos uh, to prevent them from getting wet and stuff. Uh, stones that you want to build with. So so um, we see that you're able to cover up the uh, muksa. So So we say, no, those are talking about bathroom stones, so they are not muksa. So still we're struggling to necessarily find a proof for Ula to say that you would be allowed to cover up Muksa bricks on uh, Yom Tov Tashma. Come in here. Porcelain machzelas al gabi kaveres devorim b'shabos. All right, you're allowed to cover up, a cover like take like a mat and cover up a beehive on Shabbos. Becham pnei chama in the sun to protect the beehive from the sun. Becham pnei gshomim and when it's raining to protect the beehive from the rain. As long as your intention is not to trap the bees. So now what do we see? So the assumption is, well, a beehive is muksa, and you can cover up the beehive to protect from the sun or from the rain, whatever it is. Um, so we see that you can cover up something muksa. And for the Gemara, no, it's talking about where there is honey. And because there is uh, honey, it's actually not muksa. Well, that makes sense to say that we're talking about a honeycomb with honey in the summer. 
Because there is honey in the honeycombs on, in the summer. But what about in the winter where there isn't honey in the honeycombs? Well, because I guess in the winter they probably hop around the, the, the honey. And in the winter, I guess they hop around, like the people hop around the honey. So there's no honey. But we say, well, yeah, but even in the winter, we still keep over um, um, two, I guess, combs for the, that that's enough for the bees to live on, for the bees to eat. So we're saying that you can cover up those, you were saying that you can cover up uh, those those two honeycombs, right? So so again, we want to say that these honeycombs are muksa. We say they're not muksa; they have honey. But what about in the winter when they don't have honey? Well, in the winter they still have those two honeycombs. But also in shteichalis muktsis. Um, but those muksa same. But those two honeycombs are are muksa um, because they're for the bees. my skin Well, he decided in, in advance that he was going to chop them. And because he's going to chop them, so they weren't muksa, and that's why he's allowed to cover them. Okay, so we're still making the argument that um, that this honeycomb, this beehive with honeycombs, is not actually muksa. So now we're saying, wait a second. So now there's a distinction. So if the fellow said in advance that he's going to chop around the honeycombs, so then he could chop around the honeycombs, and they're not muksa, and you can also cover them up uh, to save them from the rain or from the sun. Now, if he uh, didn't have uh, intention, so then, you know, if there's only these two honeycombs, he wasn't planning to eat them, so he wouldn't be able to cover them. But now, but if we look back at this b'risa, it says, so you're allowed to cover up the honeycomb, just be careful and make sure that you don't trap any of the bees. But why don't we make the following distinction as well? That when do we say that you can cover up, right? If we're already making the distinction that, oh, by the way, be careful to make sure that you don't trap the bees. Well, then we should make another distinction, which is when do we say that you're allowed to cover the honeycomb? Well, as long as you had intention to take those two honey, uh, to, to, to take the two honeycombs that were left over there. But if he didn't uh, intend in advance to set them aside, so then, so right, in order to chop them, so then you would not be allowed to to you would not be allowed to cover them because they would be considered muksa. Okay, it's getting a little bit uh, spaghetti over here, but but basically what we are trying to say over here is that you'd only be allowed to cover the uh, beehive slash honeycombs um, if you had intention to chop them. Meaning, as long as they are not muksa, but if they were muksa, you would not be allowed to cover them, right? We say as long as there's honey, or at least you had intention with the honeycombs, we're kind of getting stuck in this like place of assuming that we're talking about, um, um, you know, you can only cover a beehive that would be not muksa, essentially. Okay, so the Gemara says, right? So if we're saying that it's a matter of muksa, well then just like we said that make sure not to trap the beehives, well, the, the, the trap the bees, so make sure also that you have intention in advance, because only if you have intention in advance for the honeycombs in the winter would you be able to cover up the beehive. So, this is what's going on. Well, even if you did have intention for the honeycombs, and therefore they are not muksa, they're mukhan, and therefore you're allowed to cover up the beehive. So nonetheless, you still have to make sure that you will not be trapping 
any beast. So now the Gemara says, "V'mayu kim to Kreb Yehuda disle Mukta." One second. So basically, basically, we've just been making the argument for the past few minutes to say that this whole beehive thing is Rabbi Yehuda, who holds of Mukta, <clears throat> and therefore we have to be concerned that. Um, therefore, we have to be concerned that um, uh, you know that if the beehive was Mukta, then you would not be allowed to take the mat and cover it. So we have to figure out how it could be that the beehive is actually not muksa. Either it's the summer and it has honey, or maybe it's the winter and um and but we're talking about the honeycombs and you set them aside. Kilu, we're so we're, we're explaining this whole honeycomb thing in the context of Rabbi Huda, who's a muksa guy. But Ema Seifa, but why don't we look at the you know if we look at the second part of the prices, it says Uvachulo Yiskavin, Yiskavin being the key word, Latsud. As long as you don't have intention to trap. Who's the one who holds of Davashin Muskavin is Mutter? Not Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda says Davashin Muskavin is Asr. Something that, you know, even when you don't have intention, it's still Asr. And therefore, therefore, to say, look, you're allowed to cover the beehive as long as you don't have intention to trap any bees, that's not going to work. If you can trap any bees, then, you know, it's, it, it, it's not allowed. Even if you don't have intention. So, so when we say that, just make sure that you don't have intention, that you're not intending to trap bees. Well, that sounds like a Rib Shimon thing. Now we say one second, but how could this be Rib Shimon? But one second. What, what does this have to do with Dovershin Miskavin? Dovershin Miskavin is when something may happen, something might not happen, so it's not a big deal, right? For example, I don't know, dragging the, right, the classic case is dragging the bench on the ground. Maybe it'll make a faro, maybe it won't. As long as it's not your intention to make a faro, it's okay. But over here, by covering up the beehive, you're definitely going to be killing bees. So, and even Rib Shimon agrees that if it's a sick ratio, if it's not, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't, but it will definitely happen, well, then it's not going to be allowed. So, the Olam Kula Rabbi Yehuda, so one second, one second, okay. So, we have to figure out what's going on. Is it Rabbi Yehuda? Is it Rib Shimon? What's the deal? We say, look, it's Rabbi Yehuda. Okay, so then how do we explain that? Well, just make sure you don't have intention to trap. That sounds like a Rib Shimon thing. So, it's talking about where there are windows in the beehive. Don't say that according to Rabbi Yudah, it means that he doesn't have intention to trap. No, that's not what it means. It's, it means don't make it into a trap. Meaning, you're allowed to cover up the beehive to protect it from the uh, sun or from the rain, but don't cover the windows. If you cover the windows, you're going to be making it a trap, and then it's definitely not allowed. So Reb Yudah is saying, look, you, you know, as long as, we're not talking about mooks over here, as long as either there's honey, or at least you said that you're planning to take those two honeycombs, so as long as it's not muksa, you can cover it up to save it from the sun or from the rain, but, um, Make sure that you're not going to make it into a trap by closing the windows. Because that would definitely be a problem. Pshita, isn't this obvious? Well, I may have had the thought to say that, well, you know, when, when it's going to be usher to trap is something that you don't, that, right, that you normally trap, such as a, a bird or, a, you know, a chaya, things like that. Those are things that are normally trapped. So because there are things that are normally trapped, so you're not allowed to trap those. But a bee, maybe it should be okay to trap a bee. So we're coming to say, no, you're not allowed to trap a bee um, either. And therefore, what Rebuta is saying is that you're allowed to cover the beehive, but make sure that you're not going to trap bees, because trapping bees is not okay. You might think it is, it's not. Okay. Kamash okay, it's not okay. Ravashi Omar, 
So Vashi says that our whole thing is 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 wrong. So we had said who who asked the kasha? So Rav Ukva Mimeshan asked Rav Ashi, right, that I understand during the summer where there's honey. What about in the winter where there is where there's no honey? We said kind of like, well, in the winter you set aside those two, um, you know, honeycombs. Says Rav Ashi, which is interesting because this is Rav Ukva Mimeshan actually asked Rav Ashi. It would sound as though this was like Rav Ashi's response to say that in the winter, uh, there, you know, there, we're talking about the two honeycombs. But maybe Ravashi give an alternative answer, which is Mikatani um, Bimosacham doesn't actually say in the Brisa in the summer and in the winter. It says we need to spare it from the sun and right and we need to spare it from the rain. What does it say? It says Chama but I think but what but no, what do you say? Bachama in the sun because of the sun, in the winter, and in the rain because of the rain. That doesn't mean summer and winter. It could actually be, says, says Rav Ashi, that specifically we're talking about, it just says, right, keep it out of the sun, keep it out of the rain. It says Rav Ashi, we're not talking about the summer and the winter, we're talking about the spring and the fall. That both in the spring and in the fall, there is sun, and there is rain, and there is honey in those months, right? So in, in the winter, there might not be honey. In the summer, there's lots of honey, but there isn't any rain. We're talking about in the months of Tishrei, in the months of, of Nisan, where there is all of the above. There's honey, and the honey comes, but there's also rain, and there's also um, um, sun. And therefore, in those cases, we're saying that you would be allowed to cover the um, beehive, and it wouldn't be muksa because uh, there's honey in there. So we don't necessarily, uh, we haven't necessarily found a proof to say that uh, you'd be allowed to cover up for uh, muksa. Ula said you are, you're, you, you'd be allowed to. Um, you'd be allowed to cover the bricks. But uh, Rav Yitzchok argued and said that you're not allowed to cover the bricks. All right. We didn't necessarily find a proof for Ula. Okay, we said that you're allowed to take a vessel and put it under a drip on Shabbos. Tana, we learned in Brisa. If Nismali if the vessel gets filled up, Shofech Vishona Venu Nimna. So if there's a drip and you put some kind of a vessel under it, the vessel gets filled up. All right, take the vessel, spill it out, put a new one there. All right. Diluf. So Abaye in his uh, in his mill, I guess maybe at a flour mill or something, there was a drip. There was a leak in the flour mill. Also the Kami the Rabba. So he came to his Rebbe Rabba and he says, Look, I have a leak in my mill, and it's gonna leak on the millstones, and it's going to ruin them. So Rabba's suggestion was, look, this is what you could do. Take your bed, put it in the mill. And Mimela, by taking your bed and putting it in the mill where the leak is, well, it becomes your bedroom. And if it's your bedroom and you have this um, a, a, a mill that is getting, um, you know, ruined and rained on, well, then Mimela becomes something that you don't want in there. And it's disgusting. And if it's no good, so then you can get rid of it. Fa'afke and get rid of it. Yosef Abayis, and Abayis was sitting with Kokasha, and he says, I don't understand. So Abai was like sitting and he was contemplating. He was saying, wait, 
I mean, it's a gewaltige suggestion by Rabbah to say, just take your bed and put it in there and the memela becomes your bedroom and it's a graf shorei, it's like a, a, a bedpan, something disgusting that you want to get rid of, you're allowed to get rid of, just like take out the garbage so you could, you know, you'd be allowed to, um, and then you'd be allowed to get rid of it. So, so Abaye was sitting and thinking this over and he says, wait, but can I do that? Can I like take my bed and put it here so that it'll become like it just... Can I do that intentionally? Make, make, intentionally set up a situation where it becomes a graf shorei, where it becomes something disgusting so that I can take it out. And then while he was contemplating, you know, whether or not he should go ahead with this, if he should accept Rabba's, uh, uh, leniency, basically his entire windmill, his entire mill got, um, got ruined. And there went that because he didn't listen. So he said, Taisili de Avriyadamar, to which Abayi then responded and he says, Wow, I deserve that. I didn't listen to Rabba. Rabba said I could just bring my bed in and save the situation. I didn't listen, and now um I, I lost my my milk. Omar Shmuel says Shmuel Grafshul Rei Vavachumaglaim that if you have like a bedpan or a um you know container of urine, mutilotsian la ashba you're allowed to take them out of the house and throw it away in the garbage. zero, and when you're coming back with the bedpan or with the uh, or with the uh, container that you used for the urine, so no simbomayim, put some water in there zero, and then and then bring it back. Meaning, don't if you have this vessel that was used for like you know excrement or for urine. So after you dump it out in the garbage. Well, then it becomes like a, you know, the, the vessel itself is a little disgusting. So put some water in there. So at least, you know, you're carrying water. Okay. So Ramina Graf Shorei Agav Mono in Bifne So now the students were analyzing Shmuel's statement. They were thinking, okay, how come you're allowed to take out a Graf Shorei on Shabbos? Right? How come you're allowed to take out a bedpan or a container full of urine? So they said, you know what? It must be because of the vessel itself. The vessel itself, there's nothing wrong with the vessel. The problem is the, is the thing that you don't want, right? The excrement or the urine. That, that, that's the problem. But the vessel, you're allowed to take out. So the reason why you're allowed to take out a graf shorei is be on account of the vessel. So now, but they figured you wouldn't be able to take something undesirable, you know, just with your hands and remove it. It would have to be in some kind of a vessel. Toshma, come in here. That there was a mouse that was found in the, um, like fragrances of Ravashi. Vamudu Ravashi. And they said, pick up that mouse by its tail and remove it. I.e., uh, the important, the point being, you can, you know, if there's something disgusting that you want to get rid of, you could just pick it up and get rid of it. It doesn't have to be in some kind of a vessel. All right. Well, that was exciting times. And friends, now we're moving on to the next Mishnah Kol Shechayov and all of Mishum Shvus, Mishum Rishus, Mishum Mitzvah. Bishabis Chayovan Olav Biyomtif. Wow, interesting. Basically, anything also midirabonan on Shabbos is also also midirabonan on Yomtif. And we list three categories of these things. Now, we've heard about Shvuses in the past, in Shvus Bemiktos. A Shvus is basically a Dindirabonan that the rabbis say, look, we don't want you to do this thing on Shabbos or on Yomtif, and we'll give examples of them. Um, but there isn't like any mitzvah. It's not like you're doing any mitzvah or anything like that. It's just the rabbi said, look, for whatever reason, we don't want you to do these things. And we'll get to some examples soon. A rishus is something that is like almost like a mitzvah. It's kind of like a mitzvah, but it's not exactly a mitzvah. We'll have to get to and explain those things as well. And then there's actual mitzvahs 
things that are actual, actually a mitzvah to do, that the rabbis say, look, we don't want you to do it on Shabbos. And says the Mishnah that any of these shvuses and rishuses and mitzvahs that you would not be allowed to do on Shabbos, um, you're also not allowed to do on Yom Tif either. These are examples of things of shvuses, of tinim der abonon, that we do not do on Shabbos or Yom Tif. The Olin Be'ilon, we don't climb a tree. The Gemara is going to explain all, why for all of these. We don't ride on an animal. And we don't uh, go swimming. We don't uh, float on the water. We don't clap. We don't bang on our thighs. We don't dance. All right. Well, those are all shvuses. We don't do those things because they're shvuses. These are these things that are like rishuses, things that are like kind of like mitzvah-y, but not completely mitzvah-y, and the Gemara is going to have to explain why. Lodonin, we don't uh, um, adjudicate. We don't like um, have court cases. Vilmakadshin, we don't betroth, um, you know, men and women don't get mekadeshed on uh, Shabbos or Yom Tov. we don't do chalitza. Vilmiyabmin, we don't do yibum. All right. Chalitza, of course, being when you have a fellow whose brother died and they didn't have any children, so then he marries his sister-in-law. Um, well, that's what Yibum is. And Chalitza is if he doesn't want to marry his sister-in-law. So then they just um, do Chalitza, which basically annuls it, breaks it up. Ve'eluyen mishu mitzvah. These are the things that are mitzvahs that we don't do on Shabbos. Yom Tevlo makdishin. We don't make things hekdish, that you're going to give them to the Beis HaMikdash. Flo marichin. You don't say, I'm going to give a fellow's value to the Beis HaMikdash. Flo machrimin. We don't, um, we don't, you know, make, uh, um, like animals and stuff to the, to the Beisamik. We don't say that I'm going to give it to the Beisamik dash. We don't separate Shuma and Meiser on Shabbos or Yom Tif. We don't do this on Yom Tif. We certainly then don't do it on Shabbos. In Ben Yom Tif the Shabbos, Elochon Nefesh Bovad. There are, the only difference between Yom Tif and Shabbos is that on Yom Tif you're allowed to prepare food. You're allowed to cook food, do all sorts of things that we lo- as we've learned, slaughter animals, do all sorts of things in preparation of food. On Shabbos, you would not be allowed to do these things. Says the Gemara, that we don't climb a tree on Shabbos or Yom Tov. How come? Well, if you climb up in a tree, you might hop a branch. We don't want you to hop a branch. That would be kotzer. That, 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 um, that would be harvesting, which is an av melacha. We don't want you to do it. You don't ride on an animal. How come? Well, we're concerned you might go outside of the Tchum Shabbos. We don't want you to do that, so don't ride on an animal. Wait, does that mean that Tchums are Deoraisa? If Tchum is only Deorabonon, well then it will be Exer Exer. Right? If the rabbis say, don't uh, go outside of the Tchum Shabbos, and we're going to say, don't ride an animal lest you don't go outside of the Tchum Shabbos, well, that would be, you know, we, we wouldn't make that kind of Exer. So Ella, so that would then imply that that tchums are mido araisa. Is that really what we're trying to say? Elixir shem yachtoch zmar. No, it means don't um, don't ride an animal because if you ride an animal, you might then cut a a stick to be able to hit the animal. Uh, we don't want you to uh, do that. That would be kotzer. Um, okay, fine. Well, maybe you'll construct for yourself a tube. And we don't want you to construct for yourself a tube. So therefore, um, therefore, don't go swimming. All right. We don't clap. We don't hit our thighs. We don't uh, dance. 
Well, if you get all Lebedic, then you might uh, make instruments. We don't want you to make instruments on Shabbos and Yom Tov, so therefore don't get too Lebedic. Don't uh, dance and clap and hit your thigh. Um, all right, friends, we'll stop there because now we're going to move on to kind of the, um, then we move on to the Rishus kind of things, which is kind of like a, we'll, we'll get to that tomorrow. Uh, friends, that was Daf Lamad Vav of Masechta Beitza. So the first part of the Daf, we had a whole bunch of like takus around, uh, you know, things being able to be done on Shabbos. How does it compare to Yom Tif? Maybe on Shabbos it's more stringent. Yom Tif is less stringent. Maybe Davka, because it's more stringent, therefore we can be more lenient. We have all sorts of, of questions. Maybe have said Maman, maybe a loss of money fits into things. But we ended up saying, uh, Lingmar says, look, I don't know the answer to these questions. Then we got into an interesting question, machlokas between Ula and uh, Rabbi Yitzchok, about can you, right, so the Mishnah had said that you're allowed to cover up fruits if it's, they're being dripped on. So Ula interestingly says, well, you can even cover uh, cover bricks to prevent them from getting ruined. And even though bricks are muksa, Rabbi Yitzchok says, no, you're only allowed to move something on, 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 on Shabbos or on Yom Tif in or right for the service of something that's movable bricks are muksa you can't you can't cover you can't take something and move something in order to cover something that's muksa you can use you can move something to cover fruits which you can eat but not um, not um, bricks which are muksa so we got into all sorts of proofs you know trying to figure out maybe we can find a support for ula we didn't really end up uh, finding any kind of a support ultimately we got to this into the weeds of this like um, beehive trying to figure out if maybe a beehive is muksa. In the end, we said that we're talking about a beehive that is um, uh, not muksa. We had two options. One is talking about um, either in the summer because there's honey, and even in the winter when there's no honey, there are, there, you know, you, you set aside whatever honeycombs you left over and said that you're going to eat those, and that's why they are not muksa. Um, or Ravashi gave a different alternative, which means that, well, it could be talking about the spring or in the um, summer, no, in the spring or in the fall, where there it could rain, it could be too hot. There's also honey, but again, it's not going to be muksa because there is um, honey. We discussed the shtikel graf shorei, things that are disgusting and that you're allowed to move and get rid of them and throw them away because they're disgusting. Uh, there was a havminit to say that maybe you can only move it um, on account of the vessel that it's in, um, but you wouldn't be able to take it with your hand and move it. But we saw a story with Ravashi and a mouse that he instructed the people to hop around the mouse uh, with their hands and remove it. So we see that you can even remove a graf shorei um, directly with your hands. Um, and then we got to a new Mishnah, super interesting Mishnah. Talks about shvuses and rishuses and mitzvahs, different things that the rabbis, different gzeres, their abonon, that the rabbi applied to Shabbos, for example, not to swim, not to clap, which we said the other day that people clap anyways. We said, well, hanachlem Yisrael. Uh, which was interesting that we saw the other day but anyways um, different um, gezeras that the rabbi said don't do on Shabbos and Yom Tif. and then we ultimately said that Shabbos and Yom Tif are really the same with regard to all things except for food preparation that is the key difference um, we explained how come you don't um, climb trees and you don't ride animals because we're concerned they might break off branches don't swim because maybe you'll make a tube don't clap and dance and, and, and become too labedic because maybe you'll, you'll make instruments. So, alright, super interesting stuff, friends. That was the Aflamid Vav of Mesechta Beya. Hope you enjoyed. Peace out.